everybody. Welcome back to the Sinner Slayers podcast. Um, today, we're going to be discussing our third question in our game that we play, that we ask everybody when they come on our podcast. And that question this time around is going to be our favorite guilty pleasures. So I am joined today by the wrestler yeser, Justin. <laughs> hey, Sinner fans. It is nice to be on here again. And also joining us is the candy bar in human form, Devin. Hey, 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 hey. Thanks for making the choice to listen to the man with the caramel voice. I just found out that Heather is whiter than I expected. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that means, but you know what? I'm going to take it as a compliment. So. Uh, wrestler, <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> I mean, I obviously say that all the time. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> um, and last but certainly not least is the man who gave up smoking for good and only smokes for evil, Sterling. Yeah, leave it to Heather to take something that's like a classic Jay-Z line and just make it cute. <laughs> Listen, I just I say that all the time. I just don't know what you're talking about. Anyways. Um, yeah, so like I said, we're going to be discussing our favorite guilty pleasures, and I'm going to let Justin go first on this one. Okay, this was probably out of these questions that we've been asked for this game, this was probably the easiest one for me, and uh, Devin and Sterling have already, they already know this, and, and this is just something that we talk about often, because this is such a stupid movie. I can't stress enough that this is not a good movie it is absolutely terrible i don't know why i like this movie i don't know why whenever this is on or whenever i would see this coming on hbo because i think that's the first channel where i saw this i want to say it debuted on hbo if i'm not mistaken i don't believe this came to theaters or not but every time i see this movie i just I'm compelled to watch it, and I don't know why, but my guilty pleasure for today is The Dentist. This movie <laughs> came out <laughs> This movie came out in 1996. It's a slasher horror movie, and needless to say, it is absolutely terrible. I know most people out there, when you think slasher horror, you probably think of something like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. You think of Jason. You think of Nightmare on Elm Street. You think of Halloween. Well, think about all those movies and then think about if they were just awful, just terrible, and they were nothing like those movies at all, and you would get the dentist. Um, <laughs> just to give you kind of a little preview of this, here's a synopsis that I'm going to read for the dentist that I found online. And this will tell you probably all you need to know. Dr. Alan Finestone is a rich and successful Beverly Hills dentist. But there's only one problem. He's insane. Dr. Finestone loves perfection, and he expects it of everyone. Unfortunately, no one is perfect, and this unacceptable fact annoys the good doctor and leads him to commit his one small imperfection. Murder. <laughs> so that is the most 90s thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> I think Jason needs to be the new like uh, movie voice guy for trailers. I, I would get behind that. Yeah. So, yes. Thank you for that. That is probably the only compliment that'll ever come near this film. 
because this film is absolutely <laughs> terrible. It starts with this doctor finding his wife sleeping with the pool guy. And so his impulse is, oh, I'm angry. So his impulse is he goes to work and he, one by one, as people come into his office for their dentist checkup or appointment or whatever the case may be, he just, he kills them. He starts by, um, he starts by plucking a few teeth out and every now and then he'll look at a mouth and go, mm, so many imperfections. And like, it'll show these close, these nasty close-ups of teeth. And it's just so obviously fake and everything like that. And then he'll pluck a few teeth out and blood flies everywhere. And it's just so over the top. And yes, he kills about, I want to say he kills about seven or eight people until the last few people at, at this dentist office are like, wait a minute. I'm, I realize that nobody is come is go, everybody's going into the office and nobody's coming out. And, and it's just the stupidest thing ever. And eventually he wants to kill his wife. She's supposed to be the last victim. And uh, of course, uh, his attempt to do that gets thwarted and he eventually is killed, but this is the stupidest movie ever. So I don't think there's really anything more to say about it. <laughs> I can't, I wish that I could say it had some redeeming qualities. I wish that I could say the acting in this is great or, or something like that, but it isn't. So I guess that just leaves the final question of why do I like this? Why do I watch this? And I think that either I'm just a glutton for punishment or there's just something about a stupid film and everybody has one everybody just has that film and you can't really explain why you like it but when you watch it you're intrigued it always makes you laugh at how cheesy and how corny it is and for some reason you get enjoyment out of watching it and i guess that just sums up my experience with this movie the dentist i'm curious how many times you've seen this movie overall if you can count Oh my gosh, it, it, more, definitely more than seven times. I mean, definitely <laughs> more than that. I know I've seen it more than that because it used to come on all the time on late night HBO. It was like one of those random uh, late night HBO movies that would come on every now and then. And I swear I would watch it every time it would come on. And it was just so stupid. And all I would do is sit there and laugh, but... I would laugh hysterically, and I don't know. I guess that was just um, a feeling of enjoyment I wanted to have often. So, yeah, The Dentist. I dare you to watch it. Has anyone else seen that one, you guys? Oh, yeah. Yeah, there were, in the 90s, there were a lot of occupational-based horror films like The Dentist and Dr. Giggles and um what's a what's a what's another one that was like occupation based um uh, the lawnmower man you know there were just all these occupation based horror films and me oh and like maniac cop uh, but me oh myself God, maniac i was a, i was a maniac cop guy and there was like 19 maniac cop movies or so uh yes but yes i have seen the dentist uh, these innocuous titles like The Stepfather, you know, just all of these. <laughs> I mean, it, 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 I, I have said this so many times on this podcast. I miss the 90s from a filmmaking standpoint 
because it was fucking the Wild West. You could do anything. If you just go through movies of the 90s, it could be anything. They will let you make anything. It is not like it is today where everything is so sequel and reboot heavy. They'd be like, listen, here, I got an idea. I got an idea. Check this out. All right, what's your idea? All right, so there's a dentist. He's obsessed with perfection. Okay, I'm liking this already. The perfect dentist. And he can't find perfect teeth. So he goes crazy and he starts killing everybody for not flossing. Oh, yeah, that could actually happen. That's a that's something that happens in reality. Exactly. Wouldn't it be terrifying if your dentist was a murderer? <laughs> and then they go, all right, how much do you need? I need a million dollars to make this. Okay, here you go. Love it. <laughs> that movie. That, that, that it movie. sounds pretty awful. I'm going to be honest with you. Who was Marty Sickle? What oh, movie Marty was Sickle, The Slaughterhouse Massacre. And that was early 2000. Yeah. <laughs> you guys ready to party The Slaughterhouse Massacre? <laughs> Marty, it was Marty Sickle. Marty Sickle. Yes. Yes. Oh, God. And those acronym movies. Those acronym horror movies. What's that? So there were a lot of acronym movies. Like it'd be like Chud. And we saw one called Sick and we watched it together. And it was the most low budget pile of shit ever. It was called Sick, which was (laughs) serial insane clown killers. Got it. Okay. And, and Chud is cannibalistic humanoid underground dwellers. I see. And there um, were tons of but, these, like tons of movies like that, UKM, where it would just be these letters. Yes. UKM. Yes. <laughs> like there were so many like that, though. It would just be this long ass acronym and it defines exactly what the killer is. It, they were, and they were all <laughs> terrible, terrible movies. But but to answer your question, I, I have seen The Dentist. I actually own The Dentist. Um, I've actually also seen The Dentist 2, <laughs> um, which came out two years after it. And I, I own st- it also. That really is scare, a scary thought that, that there was a second one. And I don't know why <laughs> I haven't seen that. One thing that... That where Jastin dropped the ball is, though, is that he he didn't mention who played the dentist. The dentist is actually a fairly known actor. It's uh, Corbin Burnson. Um, people might know yes. him from the, from the Major League movies. He was also played the the dad in Psych. Um, yeah, that's he awesome. was sure was. In, uh, sure was. Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Was, um, um, he was, and he uh, actually reprises his role. He reprises his role <laughs> in Dentist too. That's amazing. The dentist. I think actually dies in the first one, but I think they retcon it in the second one to where he was just in a mental institution and he escapes and goes and, you know, starts another dental practice, I guess, because, you know, that's what dentists do, um, <laughs> you know, and they escape essentially prison, you know, because it's just so easy to start a dental practice without licenses and shit. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's just it's it's just one of those movies that like like both Devin and, and Justin have said, it's. It's just very, it's very 90s. It's just about as 90s as you could get with everything. You know, it's like they said, they just needed a horror movie. And it's like the, they just, you know, this guy was like, man, I have to come up with an idea for a horror movie. But I have to go to the stupid dentist. Wait a second. Light bulb. And then wrote this bullshit of, you know, piece of <laughs> whatever the fuck this movie is. Um, it, it just, it, it, it doesn't... <laughs> There's just no way that somebody actually like this was like a dream picture. It very much just feels like, like I said, they needed something and just somebody said the word dentist and they went, man, that's scary as hell. 
let's make it scarier. And then they didn't, you know, it wasn't <laughs> yes. one of those things where it's like Jaws or arachnophobia or even it, where they take something that's scary and make it scarier. They take something that people legitimately have a fear about and just made it stupid. And, and there that are scenes right. and there are scenes where it, it's evident that it knows what it is. I mean, sometimes the reactions of some people, like there'll be a person sitting in his office and they'll be like, well, doctor, how do my teeth look today? And it's just obvious that they're speaking <laughs> in this voice that's not serious. Like, it's just obvious that the person is not trying to act. And he'll go, hmm, well, there are a few imperfections here. Let me see what I can do about this one. And like, oh, he'll no. pluck a tooth out and the guy will be like, oh, oh, that, oh, like, it's just like, you can just tell that they are being silly. And maybe, I don't that know, maybe that is terrible. Maybe that is part of the charm that I see in this <laughs> film is that it is very self-aware of what it is. It knows it's stupid. How terrible it is? Yes. Oh, my. Well, on that note, Devin, what you got? Well, I have a absolute fucking doozy of a film to speak about today. <laughs> so there's actually a pretty good backlog of movies that I enjoy that are kind of shitty up to reprehensible. Um, but the one I picked tonight is actually The Adventures of Hercules <laughs> starring Lou Ferrigno. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, God, no. That is quite a doozy. Yes. Okay. See, I was I was always an Arnold Hercules okay. fan. I never got into the real... I was never a Ferrigno fan of it. I always liked the... I liked the Arnold well, one. Here's the thing. The auto one lacks the spectacle of the Lou Ferrigno Hercules. So for those of you who do not know, uh, The Adventures of Hercules was made in 1985. It stars Lou Ferrigno. And the thing that makes this movie so amazing is that it's actually translated from French as poorly as you could possibly translate it and still make it coherent. <laughs> I mean, the only way that it could have been translated Worse is if they just went baguette, 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 <laughs> shop the lise, wee wee, <laughs> yes, yes. I mean, it, 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 that's the only way that they could have translated it worse. So, the beginning of the movie, there's this space vase, and there's a voiceover, and it says, In the beginning of time, there was a jar, and then it explodes, and it says, And then life was created. And that sets the tone. For whatever the fuck was happening in this film. And the thing that's so great about this, like, unlike Jastin um, with the dentist, where you can tell that the people are in on the joke and they're just like, I'm just trying to get pay paid and being silly and having a good time. These fucking people are dead ass serious. I think at one point in time, Lou Ferrigno gets entrapped by uh, a silk garment and then he has this fight with a bear. And I know that William Shatner in that episode of Star Trek where he's fighting that lizard man is like one of the most hilarious things you've ever seen because it just looks so hokey. But this bear looks like it's one step above those plastic costumes used to get in the 90s that would have the mask of whatever you were. And then on the chest, it would say what it was. So you had a Ninja Turtle mask and you'd be Raphael and it would just say Ninja Turtles on your chest with a piece of, <laughs> with a piece of white paper and the sloop was all yellow. 
So this was just a step above that. This bear looks awful. And they have this fight. And the sound effects are like, crash neck. And so they're hitting each other. And all these psychedelic sounds are erupting from their fists. And then at the end of the fight, he throws the bear. (laughs) He goes, ah! And he picks up the bear. He throws the bear (laughs) into outer space. And it explodes into the Big Dipper. <laughs> oh my gosh. And that is probably the most <laughs> that is probably the most tame and subtle scene of that entire movie. It is a joy to watch. <laughs> Me, Jastin, and Sterling actually watched it together. And we were like, that was awful. Why do we do that? And I found myself since then watching that movie in its entirety four more times. And I just love it. And I never got enough of it. It's so amazing. So unashamed. I am not ashamed. It is great. Go, you listen, get a group of your friends together. Drink, um, (laughs) everybody drink two beers, not even crazy amounts or, you know, whatever, two of your preferred drinks. And then tell me that you don't have a great time watching The Adventures of Hercules 1985 starring Lou Ferrigno. You won't. You will have a great fucking time. I guarantee you. We had a good time watching that fucking film. That actually probably is true. I I actually could see that being very true. (laughs) And for me, that... Yes, and if anybody's listening to this, I just have to say, you owe it to yourself to go to YouTube and look up Hercules throws bear into outer space. And if you would just (laughs) watch that scene, you would just understand. I mean, we went hysterical in that house. I know that the first time we saw it, we were just yelling and laughing. I mean, it must have been for 10 minutes straight, like because the scene is just so you have to see it to believe it. Like no verbal explanation does it justice. You need to go to YouTube and watch him throw the bear into outer space right now. It defies Just go do it, please. all <laughs> concept. It is above thought. It is beyond consciousness. <laughs> that single moment is what movies are all fucking about. <laughs> that right there <laughs> is what it's all about, man. I, I love it. I fucking love it. It is the gravy on my chicken fried steak of life. <laughs> that's that's beautiful for that. Thank you for that, Devin. <laughs> Anyone else have a comment on? I mean, Hercules. I, I I have to comment on something Devin said earlier, though. When he said that the Lou Ferrigno one was more of a spectacle than the Arnold one, do you not remember the scene in the Arnold Hercules movie where he, him, and that random guy just go into Central Park, and there are just apparently people training to be Olympians right in the middle of Central Park, like they're doing <laughs> the discus and the javelin throw. And the long jump. Yes, I know what you're talking about. And he's just like, I can do all this better than them. And he just like goes up and starts challenging these people. And they're like, what could you do? And he's like, I train people in Athens. And like the big joke is that like the Olympics hadn't been in Athens in a long time at that point. So they're like, oh, yeah, in Athens. And he's like, yeah, in Athens, bro. And then he just goes and outdoes everybody ridiculously. But they do those really awesome, like, cut flashes to make it work. Like, he throws the javelin, and then they just, it automatically cuts to just the javelin being in the air. And then all of a sudden, it lands, and you're just supposed to assume that that's a far, like, way away based on everybody going, oh, and and that's it. Like, you really don't get any, like, scale 
to like show that that's a great feat other than everybody reacting like holy shit and he does it like with the discus and he does the long jump and it just shows him jump over the camera and then they turn the camera and faced it the other direction and you just see him land and they're just like oh that was a really far <laughs> jump now that and like i'm watching it right now <laughs> on youtube because i want to see it again and, and when they do and when they do the long jump too they just do it on this stretch of dirt like there's not even a line to tell you where to jump to measure from this guy just runs and then jumps into this dirt patch and you see his heels land and i'm like but there was no set point to measure his distance like it's just it's it's insane how they do it it's just they were just like yeah if we just show people doing random track and field events in central park we can just say they're olympians and he'll do it better and he didn't even do the one that would be like the track and field event that would be something like you'd be like oh yeah hercules would do that like the hammer throw you're like yeah that would be the event you would think hercules would like excel at more than anything and they don't even do they don't even do that they don't even do the the hammer throw it was very depressing but it's still a spectacle nonetheless <laughs> devin were you looking up the lou ferrigno or the arnold Oh, he's I'm watching, watching the Arnold because oh, okay. then I'm watching the bear fight next, and we're gonna see which one is more spectacular. I'm still sick with the motherfucking nice. little baby because I'm not impressed. I'm I'm a, I'm a yeah, minute you... twenty six in, and I'm bored off my ass. What are you talking about? <laughs> look at that old man's face, his buddy. Just look at his face. That's all the spectacle you need because his his buddy sells every scene of that whole thing because he's just the one like he's doing side bets with people, all kinds of shit. He's hustling. He's hustling with Hercules. <laughs> wow. Well, while that's going on, anyone else have comment about uh, the adventures of Hercules? Okay. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> Sterling, you're up. All right. Well, this one was actually difficult for me because I was going through my list and most of my movies, I think, are just underrated movies. They got bad reviews. They fit the criteria for most people of being a guilty pleasure. Whereas I just think they're good movies and everybody missed it. I'll give a few examples. These aren't my, these aren't my pick, you know, just some examples um, like The Wedding Date. I, I think it's just an utterly fantastic movie. And I think people miss the point on it. Um, American Sweethearts is what I want to know that it's fucking great. OK, it's just a heartwarming, fun story about okay. a woman and her male prostitute falling in love in England. Okay, fair enough. Proceed. And then American Sweethearts, you know, critically not not good. I think it's just delightful. I think it hits all the tropes of a romantic comedy that you would want because that's the whole point of it because it's also parodying, parodying, however the fuck you would say that word, uh, romantic comedies. Another one is Down With Love. I just think Down With Love's a hoot. I just I do love like watching that. that movie. Yeah, that's a good one. But also, like I said, uh, critically panned. Um, Simply Irresistible, the uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar movie where she's a, a, a cook that has uh, magical powers to make people feel her emotions through the food she makes. I just think it's it's an utter delight. I missed movie. that one. I don't know how I missed that one, but I did. Um, another one I think is great is uh, When a Date with Tad Hamilton. I guess all these are rom-coms, um, but When a Date with Tad Hamilton, I think it's just utterly fantastic. I think it's just oh, yeah. it hits all the beats you would want it to. And it misses some of the tropes that, you're, you know, you're glad it misses. I, I think it does everything right. I actually but love that movie. I agree. That's a great movie. <laughs> I, I originally was going to wait until we did this episode for my last two. I was going to flip a coin and that was going to decide which one I was going to do of these last two. But I think both of them in spirit 
fit this criteria to a T because both of these are just utterly garbage movies that when they are on, I can't take my eyes off of them. I watch them and I love every second of it. So I actually have a tie. I'm going to break my own rules with this game and I'm going to actually give a tie. So both of my movies are early 2000s remakes of old movies and they would be the 2001 remake of the movie 13 Ghosts. You piece of shit. (laughs) I just love that movie so much. I love the backstory they give to these ghosts. I love the fact that they ignore one of the ghosts for most of the movie. You could tell that there's just so much in that movie that was shot that they were like, no, we have to make this like an hour and a half movie because it feels like it's a three hour movie that they just cut time off of because they give they give so much time to some of these ghosts and then they they barely even comment on one of them. Like one of the ghosts you only see whenever they do the whole montage of naming the ghosts and they show the ghosts while they do it is like the only time you see one of those ghosts. Yeah. And they do that a couple of times. Um, but fuck, I just love, love, love that movie. Um, I own it. Uh, I watched it this past weekend and it, it really is. It's just a hot piece of fucking garbage. <laughs> I mean, everything about it. So early 2000s. I mean, one of the ghosts just walks around naked the entire movie. Um, one of the ghosts has has spikes and a hammer for a hand, like and just spikes just shoved throughout his body the whole way. You know, and then some of the ghosts showed signs of decomposition, which is weird because the whole point is that they were killed in a violent way. So, you know, they're stuck like that. Um, but I'm like, why would you be stuck in a decomposing state? Because it's how they died type of situation. It doesn't actually make sense with their own rules they establish. But I like the nods they have to the original because the original was a 3D movie way back in the day. I want to say in the 1960s or 70s, where it was the old school 3D with the red and blue glasses. And the only way you saw the ghosts on the screen is if you had the glasses on, then they would actually unblur with the, the red and the blue and you would actually see the ghosts. Otherwise, if you didn't have the ghosts on or the, the, the glasses on, you couldn't see them. And I liked the nod they did to that in this movie where to see the ghosts in this movie, you had to be wearing the little special glasses. And that was the whole nod to the original movie. Um, And I I say all this like I I haven't seen the original movie. It's just, you know, something, you know, trivia for that movie. But it's it's just an indescribable thing about that movie. I just like I said, I know it's a dumpster fire. I will say it's. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say that I hate that I enjoy it because I can't really say there's anything good about the movie. I just know (laughs) I love it. (laughs) I just remember that it's one of the most um, it's one of the most memorable like deaths that I remember seeing in a movie. I believe Um, there was they have like the glass doors that close right behind them, like in wherever they're at. And I think one of the one of the people just got completely cut in half. (laughs) One of the guys. And I just remember like that's the seeing, lawyer. Yeah, that's the lawyer. Yeah. And so that. I remember seeing just like the one half of his body just sliding down that glass door. And it was very memorable for me. So, yeah, um, I thought the jackal looked cool. I thought some of the designs of the ghosts were pretty awesome. Well, I, I, I think yeah, actually yeah, all the ghosts yeah, look good thought, for what I, they were. I, I think that, like I said, but they were they did yeah, get a little ridiculous, the though. The one, like I said, all through his body. Yeah, the the guy that had the the train uh, the track spikes through all that yeah. like throughout his body, yeah. and he had the hammer. That was fucking whatever, man. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I just ugh, thirteen ghosts. Ugh. 
Mm. I guess you could have <laughs> said ghost ship. <laughs> Which I'm sorry, ghost ship. The only Man, God, ghost the, ship is fucking amazing. I don't give a fuck that rope. Well, see, that's the problem with ghost ship. Is it peaks? Yeah, way I mean, too early. A ghost ship peaks in the first yeah. two minutes of the movie, and they give you such a cool death scene for so many of the people, and then it is just. 100% downhill from there. It's not even like downhill from there. It's like the the ghost ship, the movie starts at the edge of a cliff. And then literally the next scene is after you've already fallen all the way off the cliff and you're just at the bottom of a ravine and the whole movie just stays at the bottom of the ravine from that point on. God, I, <laughs> man, jeez, I never saw either one of those ghost ship or 13 Ghosts, because so oh. many people, I just remember at the time, so many people warned me not to go see them, that they that it just literally kept me out of the theaters when they were out. And I just never got around to seeing, and, I, and, and 13 Ghosts, though, I did want to see that, because it looked cool. Like, it looked like there were some good production values in the movie. The graphics, the special effects looked pretty good. So I was intrigued by just what I saw on TV, but there were so many people that said, no, dude, you'll be so disappointed. It's a waste of money, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, I got an, it was like, it was like one of those, it was an uncomfortable amount of warnings to stay away from it. So I was like, <laughs> okay, I better take everybody's suggestion and not go. I don't know if that's ever happened to y'all, but you know how sometimes you'll get a few people to go. Oh, I didn't like it or I, I'm, you know, I, I wouldn't go see it. And then, you know, some people you kind of go, oh, OK. And then really in the back of your mind, you're like, eh, I'm still going to go watch it. But <laughs> this was a crazy I mean, people whose opinions I trusted and then people whose opinions I didn't trust. Everybody agreed it sucked. And so I was like, well, damn, I guess I better stay away from that one. <laughs> That's got to be one of the greatest things I've ever heard you say. <laughs> An uncomfortable amount of warnings against this movie. <laughs> yes. I mean, it was. I'm not trying to say, I'm not trying to say it doesn't suck, but it's definitely that must see kind of suck. Agreed. Agreed. It, that's it, fair. It okay. Must, yeah, that's fair. That's, I think my friend, especially with Ghost Ship, explained it the best. Now, he does not have the best taste in film, and he does not have the best ability to ability to come up with a tagline or a synopsis or something. But he said this, he said, if Ghost Ship is the first horror movie that you have ever seen in your life, then it's amazing. But if you've seen even one, it's awful. <laughs> <laughs> that That's a good summary. I do like that. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> that's great. That might be the greatest thing he's ever said. That's pretty yeah. hilarious. And one thing, one thing I'll say about 13 Ghosts, when you were talking about like the, the special effects and stuff like that, one thing it does do that bothers me just a ton is kind of a trope of ghosts in the, the early, uh, like late 90s, early 2000s. Um, House on Haunted Hill, the remake of that does this a lot too, which I'm not going to lie, kind of loved that one too, is the ghosts do this thing where they kind of flash in and out of the picture a lot. Like the whole point is if you're wearing the glasses, you should just be able to see them. But like they do this thing where like the ghost is like swinging a bat. There is a ghost that swings a bat and it like it's there, like starting the swing. And then the next frame, it flashes away 
in the next frame it flashes back and it's further in the swing and then it flashes out and flashes back in and flashes out and flashes back in until it hits something type of situation um it's it 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 just does all those quick cut uh like cut flashes like a ghost will be walking down the hallway instead of showing it walk down the hallway it just kind of cuts in and out of it getting closer like mid walk like so you know they just filmed for like you know five seconds down this hallway and then they filmed five seconds of the person in the prosthetics walking down the hallway and then just alternated frames of it back and forth because it's a lot of yeah. quick jumpy cuts for it okay and i see i don't know i just don't know why they did that it's also like the ghosts that do like the really quick like head shakes and then their face will stop and be right at you or like those weird jer- jerky like movements that ghosts do in a lot of movies back like then. the broken body thing yeah 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 it's 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 just those weird tropes of like they didn't know how else to make it scarier or like even i guess how to make it scary you know they didn't want to rely on just the visuals to do it they wanted to have it like just cut in and out you know to like i guess try to deceive you and it's just it never feels like it's actually deceiving anything yeah but it's been a while since i've seen that one but i vaguely remember these things so i will take your word for it it's just been a handful of days for me um (laughs) But but real quick to go to my one it's tied with, like I said, another remake of a film. It is the 2002 version of the movie Rollerball with LL Cool J and Chris Klein. Sterling Condry, ladies really? and gentlemen. I can actually verify both of these. <laughs> this is not something he's doing for shock value. I remember actually having this conversation like 10 years ago with him about 13 Ghosts and then a little bit further <laughs> back. So this is 100% real. He fucking likes these movies. We even have to watch Rollerball again because of this now, fuck. Now, now <laughs> Rollerball. Now, it's one of those movies that I don't think you can really use words to describe it. I think you just have to witness it. Um, it's very much 100% just late 90s early 2000s extreme port like extreme sports porn if you will um i mean but it's it's got rollerblades and and lacrosse stick type things and motorcycles and you have to throw a metal ball onto this gigantic metal bowl and i don't know why that just speaks to my soul if you give me all those factors <laughs> You're just in tune with my being. Not that I ride motorcycles or rollerblade or do any of those things. It's just something about the combination of all those individual elements just speak to me on a very spiritual level. Um, (laughs) It's, I mean, it's a fucking Chris Klein-led movie. I mean, right there tells you how good that fucking movie is going to be. I mean, and it's just, all right, let me put this in a better way. The best actor in this movie is Paul Heyman. From the WWE. From ACW. <laughs> really? Paul Heyman. <laughs> he he plays the announcer uh, for this fictionalized sport. And holy fuck, does he sell everything? Every scene where you hear his voice, he's selling the fuck out of what's going on. <laughs> and it's amazing. When they get down to that final game for the championship, and you know all hell's going to break loose based on what's happened in the movie. And they get to the point to where the board of directors or whatever decides to like get rid of all rules for this game. Like there's no penalties or fouls. And like some guy walks up to him to give him the little script because, you know, he just finds out seconds before, you know, just like everyone else does. And he's like, what is this? What is going on? They can't do this. And then he just like starts describing it and all this other stuff. And he's like, you can't play like this. 
And then when Chris Klein's character is like coming back from these nigh deadly injuries in the middle of this match, he's like, do you feel this? Do you feel it? Listen to the people. It's happening. He's going. And you're just like, yes. I'm not like if you take his track out of the movie, it's completely unexciting. It does not feel right. You're not really <laughs> invested in what's going on on the screen. But with him doing the 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 commentary, the the I don't I keep saying narr or wanting to say narration, um, but I can't think of the other word for the life of me right now. The MC? The play-by-play. Uh, play-by-play is what it is. It's the play-by-play and the color. He does both because he's that talented. But when he's doing the play-by-play, you feel it. It feels like Al Michaels at the Olympics when it was USA and Russia in ice hockey, you know, in the semifinals. And he's like, do you believe in miracles? Yes. It is right up there with that level of <laughs> announcing, but for a very shitty fucking movie. <laughs> that sounds interesting. <laughs> wow. I've never seen that movie. I have to be real with you. I'm, and I, also, I didn't see it either. Oh, sorry to cut you off, but I just thought I had to say this. Well, I didn't see that movie either, but did you know there was like a controversy with it? Like with the director and that he hired a private investigator to really spy on one of the producers? Did you know this? No, but that feels right after <laughs> seeing the movie. Because <laughs> something you about... You can feel that in the movie. Because <laughs> something about... I guess there was this disagreement on what type of film Rollerball should be. So the director, John McTurnan, he had who was uh, this high-profile private investigator wiretap uh, Charles Roven, who was the producer, and... He had to go to prison like John McTurvin, the director. Like this happened in 2006. <laughs> Over Rollerball, the remake? <laughs> Excellent. Yes. And no. McTurvin was released in 2014. Wow, dude. That is crazy. No, that makes complete <laughs> and utter sense to me. <laughs> that that, that just doesn't surprise me. If you watch that movie, it feels like the director and the studio and the producers were not on the same page. I don't feel like anybody in this movie was on the same page. Like the actors, every individual actor in this movie, I feel like they were acting in different movies. I think the director <laughs> was directing a different movie. I feel like the editor thought he was editing a different movie. Um, I think the script writer just wrote some words down. I think he wrote down <laughs> uh, motorcycles, rollerblades, lacrosse sticks. And that was the script. Um, it's it's it really is one of those magical things where the, the end result is kind of more than the sum of its parts. Um, but what I was going to say is that the soundtrack is also very early 2000s movies. Uh, it's right up there with like uh, the Resident Evil soundtrack for the first movie um, where it's just a lot of Rob Zombie and like Slipknot and and things like that like yeah and i yes. knew you guys would appreciate that because of course i love a movie where rob zombie is featured on the the soundtrack a lot and like slipknot the band is actually in the movie performing a a concert in some random like eastern asian country because you know that's obviously where slipknot would be performing at the time <laughs> um you know and shane mcmahon is in it uh what's his name uh jean russo uh, from the professional and Godzilla and all that he's in it. He plays the main bad guy, whatever the fuck his name is. The the French guy that everybody knows. Cause he was the stereotypical French guy and everything for a long time. Like if you needed a French guy, you got him. And, uh, <laughs> there's also uh, a guy who I believe was on lost, um, kind of a long haired, uh, 
very dark skinned uh i, w- I want to say indian man uh um or somewhere in in like southern asia at least um t- type of ancestry okay and, i think uh, i know who you're talking about but i don't remember his name he was he, he's in a lot of random things and uh he's in it too and he, he speaks with a british accent yes oh yeah. uh naveen andrews yes yes um but yeah he's he's in that movie and sorry my cat's wanting to to get on the microphone because he feels the same way i do about this movie and uh it it really is it's just it really is just like like i said it's just the quintessential early 2000s with this movie and one thing i will say about it where it and starship troopers share a very common theme oh boy that a lot of movies miss and that i think we we could use a lot more of in our culture in general is the female athletes because they they are a co-ed based sport but like the female athletes and the male athletes share the same locker room just like they do in uh starship troopers where they they share the same barracks and i like the fact that they show that these like these women do get naked and and topless because they're showering and all that other stuff that's not the part i like i like that the male athletes and the women athletes don't actually view it as sexual like you know you always hear lots of times like oh a girl can never go in a guy's locker room or something like that because you know all the shenanigans and it'd be terrible and all this other stuff it's like they just see each other's as equals and mm-hmm. that they both belong there and they're just you know they're just teammates taking a shower there's nothing you know crazy about it they're just you know doing what athletes do after a game and i like that the, the this movie made in the early 2000s has that mentality towards things i thought that was very nice Way to bring a profound thought to rollerball. <laughs> that was well now done. You, now you only get that if you see the unrated cut because the original cut's PG-13. So if you see the unrated rated R, well, I guess it's rated R, but the un, you know, the other cut, the director's cut, if you will, then you get that scene. So you've seen the director's cut version of this movie as well, is what you're saying. Oh, yes. I've seen every version of this movie that exists. <laughs> Great. Any comments, guys? Yeah. That was a really nice talk. Wow. Um, no, Certainly. not for me. I, would, uh, <laughs> I think there's words to describe. Oh, I think that's a really nice thought, Sterling. But um, I think there is a word that describes rollerball, and that's no. <laughs> Just no. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, no, you can't wait to watch it again? <laughs> no. It's a complete sentence. No. <laughs> or like, no. Why was that not my pick? Single <laughs> sentence. Two letters. Just no follow-up. Period. <laughs> no. no. Are you sure the rest of it wasn't in parentheses after you finished the, the thought? Like, no. Period. Open parentheses. Why did I not choose this m- movie? Exclamation point. Yes, I'm sure. Close parentheses. <laughs> Heather. I mean, yes, you're sure that that's what it was? Please. In this, <laughs> yes, Jackson. What <laughs> be, were you gonna say? Oh, I was just gonna say, honestly, Sterling. The controversy behind the film seems infinitely more interesting than the film itself. <laughs> right. I mean, I really want to know <laughs> about, about this wiretapping. Yeah. I want to know about this private event. I want to know more about this whole thing, like this private investigator. Why was he having this guy tapped? Like, I wonder if maybe he thought. The guy, the producer was intentionally trying to sabotage his film. I mean, that's almost what this sounds like. And that's intriguing. Like, I really want to know more about that. Well, (laughs) not to ruin this movie for you, Justin, but would it help to also know that the the Jean 
whatever the fuck his name was, French guy's character in this movie is the owner of the team. So it's kind of like Chris Klein, the player would be the director's character, the lovable guy, the guy you root for going up against the rich guy who is trying to sabotage him. Wow. Which would be like the producer. Yeah, which would be like the producer. So, <laughs> I mean, you kind of get the story. Unbelievable. You kind of get the story of the wiretapping in the film itself, in a way. That's like the deep director's cut. <laughs> no, that's just the regular one. Because now that I think about it, there's a lot of talks about like them tracing cell phones and like paying people off. And like the rich guys are like hiring security and following them and and killing people that know too much and all this other stuff. I mean, the background, this, you know, the the shenanigans happening behind the scenes kind of do play out on on screen, too. So it's kind of I'm kind of seeing it already. Is there a director's commentary of this? Because I imagine it would be hilarious. Like that stupid son of a bitch. He wouldn't. He didn't want to do this. Well, he didn't want to do that. The stupid producer. I didn't want this scene. That would be fantastic. Well, the thing is, though, right. is you said the director is the one that went to jail, though, right? Yeah, that's so, true. The director was in jail. So when they would have, this came out, like, the time they would have been doing it would have been time during, like, the trial and the investigation when he would have done the commentary. I haven't looked for a director's comedy commentary or heard one, but if there is one, I'm definitely going to look for it now because there really is that possibility that if he did actually do it, that that story might be in there. Or, you know, or it might not be because it might not even exist because the guy might have been going to jail at that time. <laughs> true. True. Didn't think about that. But yeah. But dude, what if you found one and it really was and he was alluding to things like that? Well, I, this is not the scene I wanted. And if you want to know more about that, you'll have to talk to my lawyer. But anyway, and like he starts going into like different things. Dude, that would be the best thing ever. That'd be the greatest thing only, of all time. Only second to not talk about it anyway, anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. But I mean, I will say this though, the 1975 version with James Caan, where they kind of use rollerball to like settle, like, you know, worldwide disputes is also fun, crazy shenanigans. So that's also a watch too. Cool. Anyone else? Nope. No, Heather. What is your guilty pleasure and why? <laughs> so, Mine, it, it's interesting because Sterling, you actually vaguely mentioned this movie in your list of ones that are sort of guilty pleasures for you. So my pick is going to be America's Sweethearts. I don't know if you guys have seen that, but um, so it's I there's a lot of reasons why I just really like it. But um, I mean, it's it, it's a parody in itself, like you were saying, where, you know, it's about the hot celebrity couple that splits up and then, you know, the world is just devastated by it and they can't make movies without each other because their movies suck without each other. And so, you know, the whole story is about them, you know, having to make a movie together to save their careers and just like the love stories that are involved with it. And it's just, you know, it's a very obviously cliche type of movie. Uh, just even the premise of it. But there's just something about the movie that is just very endearing to me. I just, I just love it. I think, I mean, for whatever reason, I will just watch it anytime it's on. You know, I don't care how bad people think it is, but I just love it. Um, I think it's funny. Um, I think it has a lot of subtle, subtle, funny moments to it. Um, I think um, it stars, you know, Julia Roberts, John Cusack, 
are um, two of the you know main stars of the movie, and um, Julie Roberts plays like this you know frumpy assistant to her sister who is the movie star, and it's her and John Cusack who you know were in a relationship and everything. So it's just a very like complicated love story between these people, and they're just very great characters like the way that they flesh out julia roberts character and john cusack's character it's i just really like the way they did it um i mean there's just there's nothing stand out in any sort of way about this movie but i just think their chemistry is really good in it and it's just really it's a fun chick flick and you know i do love my rom-coms so it's just one of those that i think is underrated and i don't care how bad everyone thinks it is i love it i think it's so great um, there, there's like little parts that make it a little bit different. Like, um, you know, like I was saying, like Julia Roberts is usually like, you know, the big, you know, beautiful star of movies or whatever. And in this, she's just the complete opposite of that. And, um, you know, John Cusack's character, he's always about to have a mental breakdown and just a little bit of things that they change about the norm of what you see in rom-coms a little bit. And, um, Billy Crystal plays their agent and I love him in this. He's so like slimy and just always looking out for himself. And he does it so well because you can't help but like him anyway, because he's just a likable guy, kind of like agents are, you know, kind of like salespeople are where you're like, you're the worst, but you're very likable and you're good at what you do kind of thing. And um, yeah, so I mean, and you can't forget the, the brief cameo of Christopher Walken who plays a director of the new movie that they're trying to make to salvage their careers. It's He's in it for maybe like five minutes, but it's amazing. <laughs> he's so great in it. And um, yeah, so for me, it's just all very entertaining. And I believe Stanley Tucci is in this movie, if I'm not mistaken. Is that right, Sterling? Yes, he is. He is, right? Yes, he is. He's He plays the head of the studio. The head of the studio. And Stanley Tucci and pretty much anything I'm going to love him in because he's great. But um, yeah, so just, I don't know what it is about this movie, but everything just worked for me. The whole thing just worked. And as much as like, I'm probably going to get a lot of flack for this, probably one of my favorite Julia Roberts characters. Like, I just really liked her in this movie. I don't know. So that's my pick, guys. What do you think? Well, you most certainly are guilty. And I take no pleasure in saying that. (laughs) <laughs> you know what? To be honest with you, I Uh-oh. am a stereotypical male. Uh, I am a stereotypical male, and I don't really dig on romantic comedies unless they're like great ones or good ones. So I don't really a shitty romantic comedy is just never going to hit the mark with me. I can never appreciate it. I just feel like my time was wasted, <laughs> and uh, that's how I felt with America's <laughs> Sweethearts. Uh, you know, you know, I felt felt let down, <laughs> felt let down. But all of it. And then what was up with Christopher Walken in the early 2000s just appearing in random fucking movies? Like he was in the country bands and shit. <laughs> like, and just appearing in random shit. I don't know. That was just like his thing. Joe Dirt. Like, just fucking everywhere. I don't know. I don't know. But yeah. Good for you. I'm glad you like it. He could have made yeah, a whole career on like being in like random cameos and stuff. And then all of a sudden, she's like, I'll fucking do whatever. I'll fuck. You want me to be. You want to be a mobster in Joe Dirt? Yeah. Country Bear? Sure. Well, fuck, I can tap dance. Weapons of mass destruction or weapons of choice. I'm going to do that too. You know, I like it. So, <laughs> right. Christopher Walken, always a welcome addition. But other than that, this is America. 
I mean, I guess the only thing I'll say about it is, I, man, it's been so long since I've seen that movie. I do remember when it came out in theaters and I just remember walking away because I've always been kind of an open-minded moviegoer. Like I'll go, I'll, I'll go to any movie. I wasn't really big on terms like, Oh, it, it's a chick flick. It's only for chicks or it's a, it, you know, it, labels that people put on things. So I was always kind of open-minded. I would always just go and um, watch whatever, but this was one where I felt like for such a star-studded cast, because, I mean, when you look at that cast, it's, uh, it, at mm-hmm. the time, that was some of Hollywood's best. I mean, you had, you, you, I mean, of course, Julie, you know, you had her, she was in that, you had Catherine Zeta-Jones was in it, and then Billy Crystal, which I liked him. I thought he was the standout performer in that movie. And then yeah, um, John good. Cusack, um, you know, that's a pretty star-studded cast. And I felt like, and then, of course, you are, you also mentioned Christopher Walken and Stanley Tucci. Like, that's that's a pretty star-studded cast, especially at that time. And I just felt like, man, the narrative just fell short for what those actors and actresses are worth. I, I definitely walked out feeling like their chemistry and their acting elevated it. But man, I just felt like the story just could have been, yeah, I thought it just fell a little flat for the stars that they had. That, that was always kind of my See, opinion on that film. I actually, I appreciated the fact that it was also one of those where it sort of makes fun of itself. You know, like they have a specific, um, you know, narrator that they use that's so cheesy when it's doing like the movie trailers and just there's it's like the making of a movie inside of this movie. And it's going behind the scenes of it and all the stuff and the drama that goes on. And it just kind of in itself, it's a parody of itself. So I appreciated that because I think that they pulled it off well enough to be enjoyable. So but yeah, I do see what you mean. I mean, it's not like it was a intricate plot twist really type of script in any sort of way (laughs) but it was just it was different enough for me to be like you know what i like this i'll watch it yeah 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 and it's hard to say what i was looking for at that time but i just remember i just i'm trying to remember the was there a specific problem i had i and i just can't think of what exactly it was i just remember being disappointed i i don't know it was hard to root for any one person i don't know i just didn't feel that there was like that compelling person that you root for i i, I just had I, I i feel like it was something like that like i didn't i didn't i didn't feel like there was this one character that i gravitated towards i just kind of felt like they were all just kind of there i don't know if i'm saying that correctly but i just remember not having that investment when i walked out but definitely the idea the concept and what they were going for and a lot of the scenes there were some scenes that i really did like in it so no it wasn't all bad definitely i not not what i would call a garbage film probably wasn't reviewed that well critically but I don't know if Definitely I would call not. it garbage. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I would say that. Not at all. Not at all. I'll take that review. <laughs> well, like I said earlier, I don't consider this as much of a guilty pleasure because I think it's an underrated film. But to me, 
I guess the thing that makes it stand uh, stand out to me is it's it very much is a paint by the numbers movie. But I guess my the difference between this and something uh, that I you know thinks worse or you know not as good or something like that is overall I like the picture after it was painted. Like if I'm doing the whole paint by the numbers thing and afterwards I see the whole collective picture, I liked that. Yeah. I liked, you know, ultimately when it was all said and done, I liked what I saw. But like other than that, it really is beat for beat a standard romantic comedy, even though it's playing the parody role of it all. Um but I mean how where I do disagree with I guess with you guys is to me there was truly a standout character. And to me it was Billy Crystal. Or, mm-hmm. uh, his his role and his his character in this was just so great to me. Um, I mean, I watched this movie probably around a week ago. Um, Did you really? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Every movie I listed today, I watched within the last week. And that movie, like I said, his his character was just so fantastic. Because the whole point of his character is to get the media and everybody excited about this movie. Because it's the last, you know... A movie from, you know, America's Sweethearts with it and everything like that. And just everything he does is just 100% so insanely believable with how, like, PR reps are with shit. Like, the whole scene where, you know, like, John Cusack accidentally falls on a cactus and he's pulling the cactus thorns out. And they're like, holy fuck, this guy is jacking off. (laughs) Yeah, that part. To mm-hmm. these people and they get it on camera and they're like, come on, we can't be having this. And Billy Crystal's like, no, 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 I'm going to buy it from you. We're going to set this up. You know, we can't have that leaking out. And then he goes and leaks it out. Yeah. So he can control the spin to it. And so that way he can, you know, get just more buzz about this film because that's all that matters is the buzz and everything like that. So just everything with it just felt so believable. Yeah. And like, that's kind of the way it happens. Like, I'm sure it's nowhere near as dramatized as it was in this. But like, you know, when you have those couples and everything like that and they fall out, but they're still filming and shit, you know, where everything appears fine on screen. But behind the scenes, it's Mm -hmm. just insanity. And, you know, Catherine Zeta-Jones, she is, you know, this actress that everybody loves and they think she's so sweet and so beautiful. And she's just this evil, terrible person (laughs) behind the scenes, like just so incredibly selfish about every little thing in the world. You know, everything's a slight against her. You know, like if somebody's smoking in the building she's in, she thinks they're doing it just to fuck with her type of shit. And you're like, no, I actually, I believe insanely that there are actresses out that, right. you know, like they're out there uh, that are like that and everything like that. And it's ultimately, I just, like I said, I liked everybody's chemistry. I liked John uh, Cusack's chemistry with Catherine Zeta and with Billy Crystal and Julia Roberts. I thought everybody just had really good chemistry together. And I think that's that one of the be, hardest things. Yeah, it might be the thing that kind of fake. pulled the movie together. So, yeah. Sorry, what were you saying? Well, yeah, just you, you'll see tons of movies like that are have like star studded casts or have all these amazing actors and stuff like that. And I don't think, you know, why those movies always tend to fail is I think ultimately you always end up having a lack of chemistry with a lot of it. And I don't I think of all the problems that this movie does have, I don't feel like chemistry is one of them. And, you know, yeah. for, and since that is like the hardest thing to fake, you can have world class actors all day, but chemistry still might not work. You know, you can't fake yeah, chemistry. That's true. That well. that's true. And mm-hmm. and that's just something I never thought this movie had a problem with. I thought everybody's chemistry in this movie was great. Even uh, Seth Green, who just plays kind of the understudy to Billy Crystal's <laughs> character. Yeah, he, he was, was great. The guy that was supposed to take 
he was supposed to take over for Billy Crystal's character at the beginning of the movie, but then they really needed Billy Crystal for this. And so, you know, he's kind of just like learning the the tips, you know, the the tools of the trade, if you will, from Billy Crystal while he's shadowing him. And very small part. And it's, you know, you're never really going to think that of like, oh, Seth Green, amazing actor. But he does he does just a good enough job in this. And, you know, he really does seem like somebody who like means well, but just doesn't understand kind of like the sly, you know, tricks that you have to play in that type of business and that role that Billy Crystal's character does that are just second nature to him. And, you know, him just like trying to like learn the ropes and stuff like that. You actually kind of just see it happen throughout the movie. Whereas, you know, at the beginning of the movie, he's not doing any of the tricks. And then throughout the movie, he's like understanding more of why you're doing it and stuff like that. And it's it's the little the little things like that that I think this movie does excel at uh, that makes it overcome its its flaws. Agreed. I definitely agree with that. All right. Anyone else? Anyone have any honorable mentions other than Sterling who already gave his? No, ma'am. I think I'm good. I think I've done enough damage with Hercules. How many times have you watched that watch video? It. I want to do a comparison, and hour. let me tell you something. <laughs> Within the first 10 seconds of the Avengers of Hercules, <laughs> the bear fight sequence, I was enthralled. Once again, I was back, I was back there in that dark apartment <laughs> with my two best friends and the blue light <laughs> of the TV. <laughs> oh my yeah, but goodness. we also know you have an extreme you bias mean? when it comes I, to bears, I like the so that's not fair. I'm trying to give a bear to go here. Um, but there is, exactly, you you have a bias against the bears, so obviously you're going to, you know, do something well, that's very, you know, prejudicial and anti-bear and just say it's like people are going to fucking fathers get mauled but, by bears. This is a fucking problem, you bear enthusiasts. You just want more aggression, more anger, more roaring, more snarling. You don't give a fuck about human beings. Long live the trolls. I, I know. I you, to see you, what's wrong with you probably enjoyed Grizzly Man. You enjoyed it. I bet you did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a heartfelt movie about the dominance of bears. <laughs> I hate you. That was terrible. You should take that back. Wait, is Jason not Team will. Bear either? No, Jason is totally Team so Tross. Oh, we got okay. a Bear versus Tross match in the NFL. <laughs> I'm just saying, but Tross wins. <laughs> we <laughs> Tross wins, baby. And the Tross won. <laughs> well, technically, technically, the, the you're wrong Eagles because are, an Albatross and an Eagle are not the same. It would have been if the Seahawks were close played. enough. Seahawks close and, enough. No, no, no. When you have a Seahawk. As a mascot, the closest I'm one to an eagle is an albatross would be the Seahawk, and but they the lost to the Cowboys, not the Cow Bears or the and they Bear lost. Boys. That's all I'm saying. The Seahawks lost. <laughs> oh boy! Since I feel like this could but, go on for a while. <laughs> well, no, I, I I do want to say one more thing though. Yes. A one of these days, if we have nothing else to do, we will do an albatross versus bear episode for you guys, just so you kind of understand what the fuck just happened to all your brains. <laughs> but I do want to actually give another honorable mention that I was actually thinking that Justin and Devin would have thought would have been my guilty pleasure because we did kind of allude to something with this earlier when it came to the Rob Zombie songs appearing in, in Rollerball. Oh, I but know. I do have this. I know. I have this, this eternal. I have this eternal soft spot in my soul for a very gigantic piece of shit movie also known as House of a Thousand Corpses. Oh, man. And 
it's it was very close to being my official pick um because oh, it is terrible and if anybody knows the history of that movie there's a lot of reasons why it's terrible um and the one thing i will say about the final product is it does do a good job of not directly giving you a reason to like pin down its terribleness you know if you want to watch it and just assume that it was the fact that it was produced by a company and they gave him the money and he was editing it and then they canceled on him and they told him they're not going to distribute it so he was left to edit it himself and like try to secure financing and lost lost footage because of it and you know ultimately we ended up with Lionsgate finally saying they'll distribute it and then they did so you could you know credit the lost footage and not being able to do that final like edit you would want or the fact that it was written to be garbage from the beginning who knows so That's many the reasons. magic of that movie. It's the magic of the movie. You don't know who's to blame for it to be terrible. And that's why it's fun. Um, I do kind of want to blame the studio for it because it's follow up. Devil's Rejects is utterly phenomenal. It is really a fantastic movie. Oh, yes. And I know Jast and Devin hate this. <laughs> they actually enjoyed that one, too. Yeah, I was just going to say that the greatest thing about House of a Thousand Corpses is the (laughs) follow-up the devil's rejects that's the greatest thing about it because that might be one of the best like improvements from a first movie to a second movie maybe so it is a sequel yeah yeah yes yes it is a sequel devil's rejects is a, a sequel to that and they are actually doing a third one of that um i don't know how it's like something like Family from Hell or sibling, I don't know, something like something from Hell or something like that. They are doing a third one to that movie with the original characters, huh? Um, which is crazy because spoiler alert, they all fucking die at the end. <laughs> Does but it show you somehow, this? Or? Oh yes, you see them fucking die. Um, and since we're on the topic, I will say this: I hate the song Freebird with a fiery fucking passion. <laughs> I think it's one of the worst songs to ever been written. I think it is right up there with Rebecca Black's Friday with terrible songness. <laughs> That's but rough. Two movies have made me like that song for the scenes they are shot. One of them, oddly enough, is Elizabeth Town with Orlando Bloom. Garbage fucking movie. But when they do the free word at the end of it, I think it's fucking fantastic. The next one is Devil's Rejects. They the way they incorporate that song into the end of that movie is utterly fantastic. And it's actually a very beautifully shot scene. And it's it almost it's it's so beautifully shot. I almost feel like it's out of place in that movie because it's weirdly sentimental and kind of heartwarming. If you if you just watch it now, like if you once you like identify these characters in the scene, you're like, you don't get that because they're all reprehensible human beings. They are all the worst of the worst type of humans ever. But visually speaking, the scene you do get a little bit of heartwarmingness and all this other stuff than just a huge bloody massacre. Mm. Um, but yeah, somehow, yeah, House of a Thousand Corpses, I, I drove two hours to a town to watch that movie when it came out because it wasn't coming out in the local cinema because it was a very, it was a smaller release. So I had to drive to another town to watch it. I was, I was excited to see that movie for years and years and years. I knew all about it. I knew, you know, all the, the, the hardships that had been facing and the, the fact that it was finally coming out. And like I said, I'm driving out of my way to go see it. I think I just wanted to like this movie so fucking much that I've tricked my brain into fucking liking this movie (laughs) when I've got absolutely no reason to. Because it is, narratively speaking, one of the most jarring movies you can watch. 
it starts as like your typical back roads, you know, something happens and you end up with a family and they're going to murder you movies like those just atypical fucking 1970s horror movies. It starts out just like one of those. And then all of a sudden you get this weird song number and they start doing like body horror mutilation stuff that feels like it jumps into a different genre halfway or I guess like a third of the way in. And then the ending of it is just kind of a monster film, if you will. Like it, it switches genres on you again and it never flows between the seg- the segments like that. It never kind of like transitions slowly like you, you see in some movies that do that. No, it's hard cuts. Like it starts with one movie and then all of a sudden like one scene happens and it feels like a totally different movie. Then one scene happens and then it's a different type of movie. And it just mm. does not have any cohesiveness, narratively speaking. But fuck if I don't love watching that like dumpster fire of a movie. Now, do you watch them like in order? Like you watch one and then you immediately watch the other? Um, I'm more inclined to watch Devil's Rejects just on my own. Uh, okay. But if House of a Thousand Corpses is on, very rarely do I not watch it. That would be considered a guilty pleasure. I will accept that as an honorable mention as well. Yes, I know that's why I did save that one from before because I didn't necessarily want to give away what movie I was picking because I knew Justin and Devin would were probably thinking that movie was. Uh oh, misdirect. Nice. Yeah, yeah, but but no, um, but if anybody's going to check those movies out, you should watch The Devil's Rejects. But you have to watch House of a Thousand Corpses first just so you understand how much of an improvement, like I, I can't even put into words how much <laughs> of an improvement like devil's rejects is over a thousand corpses. Like it is like night and day. Like you, you it's almost hard to believe that it's a sequel after you see what the first one was like it is that much of a difference. It really is in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I feel like I need to take this challenge now. Uh, <laughs> but um, anything else, guys? All right. No, I think I'm that is it. So for those listening, we are wrapping up our series on our game of three questions. This was the final question, and that's the end of this for you. So we hope you enjoyed this little this little game that we played over the course of time. Um, we always want to hear more about what you guys like, what you don't like, your favorites your least favorites, uh, just, you know, keep interacting with us on Facebook. You can follow us on Twitter or Instagram, which is both cinema underscore slayers. Um, visit our shop and keep listening to our podcast, visit our website. And, um, other than that, thanks for listening. And don't forget to take the survey. It's, it'll be in the show notes, one to two minutes of your time. It's not that bad. Promise. We only want you to do that. So help us out. Bye. Bye.